You're listening to The Philip Jordan Show. What's everybody? Welcome in to the Philip Jordan Show right here on Wiregrass Daily News Sports. I am your host, Philip Jordan, the in-studio host and producer of the Woods Football on I-6.9, the legend and Auburn writer for Last Word on college football. On today's show, we'll be looking at did the committee get it right with the college football playoffs? I'll be joined by Coach Max Howell to discuss that and much, much more in college football and a debut of a new segment, Best Weekend, Worst Weekend. Thank you for checking out this episode of the Phil Jordan Show on Wiregrass Daily News Sports. You can check out the podcast over at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review. I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you leave just four stars, you are just a straight-up hater. You can email me at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com. You can hit me up on social media at pjordansec. All right, so I wanted to start off today's show talking about the college football playoff rankings we know the four teams that are going to the playoff number one michigan number two washington number three texas number four alabama look this is coming out on tuesday we're about two days removed from the rankings coming out unless you're living under rock you know what they are you've seen it you've seen people discuss it and talk about it at length over what happened with these rankings and obviously the controversy of Alabama, Florida State, or maybe Texas too as well, being in these rankings. And you have a undefeated Power 5 champion that won on Saturday night. They win the ACC, Florida State, by beating Louisville 16-6. to And just looking at the rankings, Michigan at number one, kind of, okay, once Georgia got beat on Saturday by Alabama, he had to feel, okay, Michigan should take care of business against Iowa. But you know what? They didn't really have a like great performance. They won twenty six to nothing in that one, which you when you look at Iowa, Jim Harbaugh and that staff and those players probably realize they didn't have to do a whole lot with Iowa because just Iowa's just bad offensively. I mean, let's we all know this. I mean, the Big Ten championship game was the week prior when Michigan defeated Ohio State in that classic game. But Michigan's offense did play exactly great in this one, and I'm telling you this for a reason. Total yards for Michigan, they had 213 total yards. Now, they held Iowa to 155, which that's probably a good offensive output for Iowa considering who they are. Michigan was just 3 of 15 on third down. They ran for just 66 yards through for 147 in the game. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, 22 of 30 for 147, so took care of the ball. Blake Corum had 52 yards and two touchdowns. So not a great offense performance, but still. Once Georgia got beat by Alabama on Saturday, you kind of feel like, okay, this is kind of the team that would be number one. Washington with the victory against Oregon on Saturday night. Look, on Friday night, excuse me, me and Matt last week, we both picked Oregon to win this, win the rematch. And then Washington just won again. You know, Washington's had a tough stretch of games. A close one against Oregon State, a close one against Washington State. Kind of some close calls. And Oregon going into that game had really been dominant in a lot of their games. Bo Nix was playing well, playing great. He was a front runner, front runner for the Heisman Trophy. So you had to feel like, okay, Oregon has the advantage here. It's just everything seems to be working in their way. But Washington comes out with that victory. So they come in number two. Texas three, dominant performance against Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game, winning 49-21 to in that one. And, you know, Quinn Ewers was great in the game. Um, record-breaking performance there for him in the Big 12 championship game, winning the final uh, Big 12 championship game for them as they are now leaving with Oklahoma to come to the SEC. But Ewers was 35-46, 452, four touchdowns. He had the one interception. And just Texas has so many players, offense, defense. They're talented all across the board. One side note on Texas, I kind of do wonder – would Arch Manning now transfer? Because the speculation to talk Saturday morning with Quinn Ewers would come back. I did see something late on Monday night that Arch would come back. He's happy in, te- in Texas and all that stuff. But we'll see. We'll kind of see how that goes. 
Uh, but this game really was never close. They came out and just really dominated early to Texas. They they obviously were the better team in this one. Texas was the class of the Big 12. Yes, they had the one loss to Oklahoma. Last play of the game, neutral side, rivalry game. Look, if Alabama fans are going to kind of give an excuse, well, the reason why the Auburn game was close because it's the Iron Bowl and it's crazy things happen there, you got to give that grace to Texas. At least their rivalry game was on a neutral side, not you know at a home venue at Auburn against a 6-6 six and six team in, in Auburn. Then Alabama comes in at four. And this is kind of how you had to wonder what was going to go down coming out of Saturday night. Like I said, Florida State winning the ACC championship game over Louisville 16-6. to uh, Down to your third-string quarterback in the game. Uh, Brock Glenn, look, his first game, I mean, his first ever start, he only had thrown four passes going into this game. He was 8-21 for 55 yards. Um Florida State was able to do some things with the run game, 164 there. I don't think the Florida State receivers helped Brock Glenn, but he had a couple passes. The guys may have been open. He short-armed them. They were into the dirt. But, uh, yeah, So, but you got to look what Florida State did defensively in this game. They just shut down uh, the Louisville team. They got after the quarterback repeatedly in this game. And Jack Plummer, still part of me, always keeps saying it. He's got to be related to uh, Jake Plummer. But anyways, he's not. Uh, Florida State this game had seven sacks in the game. Uh, Braden Fisk was really big there toward the end. He had a couple sacks there. Four and a half tackles were lost. Other guys with sacks in it, you had Patrick Payton had one. Jared Verse, the super talented Jared Verse, had two. He had three tackles for loss. So Florida State lived in the backfield. This one had 14 tackles for loss against Louisville. But obviously, you look at the offense, the offense was the issue here. Third string quarterback, Tate Rotomaker, did not play concussion last week against Florida. And this was within an hour of the game, we find out Brock Glenn is going to start. There was rumors, some speculation about who was going to start at quarterback for Florida State, but then it did turned out to be uh, Brock Glenn. And so see Alabama get the number four ranking after their performance against Georgia. And great performance. They limited Georgia in the run game. I was kind of wondering going into that game, okay, Alabama gave up a lot of running yards to Auburn the week before. Again, I know people are going to say to me, look, that's the iron ball. Crazy things happen. I get that. I understand that. Look, I cover Auburn. I've been living in this state most of my life. I know what the iron ball is. You don't have to educate me on that one. But they, they were – Alabama won this game on a line of scrimmage. That's just where I'm getting at with this. Georgia was limited to 78 yards rushing. Brock Bowers played in the game, and he had some catches. He had some nice catches in the game. But you could tell he was limited. He was their leading receiver in the game, five catches for 53 yards, but just did not have that explosiveness to him. Ladd McConkey, he was limited in the game, three catches for 38 yards. And I really felt like, and I know Gary Danielson did say this during the broadcast, that maybe he should have not talking about Kirby Smart, should have not been playing your injured players. I was okay with Brock Bowers being out there. Like I said, he was making catches, but he just didn't have that explosive ability that he normally has. But Ladd, maybe he should have been limited. But the running game, like I said, Kendall Milton only had 42 on 13 carries. He did have two touchdowns. And then uh, Dejon Edwards had 38 yards. And Jalen Miro was clutch in moments there at the end of the game with some big runs and some throws, two touchdowns, the underneath game. Was working there. Rodo Williams did a good job with 64 yards. Of course, Jason McKellen did not play. I tell you what, Isaiah Bond has really stepped up lately for Alabama. And then Jermaine Burton hitting the big plays. He had a touchdown. John Miller had a touchdown in the past game. So Alabama does that. They beat Georgia 27-24. to But looking from the ranking standpoint, so now you go into that, you look at it, okay, is Alabama going to jump Florida State? Or perhaps will Alabama – jump over Texas and Florida State stays in there. And you look at it, obviously the committee, I, I'm kind of a person that I see it from both sides. I would have put Florida State in. I would have put them in over Alabama. Because, and people say, why? And I know Alabama had this great victory over Georgia on Saturday. I know that. I get that. Those are obviously two of the best teams in college football. But the deserving part, Florida State's a Power 5 team out of the ACC. 
They went 13-0, and won their conference. They did everything they had to do. And we all know if Jordan Travis does not get hurt, they're playing in the playoff. We all know that. We know this. Now, what would have happened there would have been Texas or Alabama. Honestly, my gut feels like they would have found an excuse to put Alabama in over Texas. I would think Texas deserved that because of the head-to-head matchup between the two. And everybody said, well, that was week two. Still, it's on your resume. Texas went into Tuscaloosa week two, beat Alabama by double digits. They deserve to be in that game, in the playoff. And honestly, you can make an argument Washington should be number one over Michigan. They just had a tougher schedule. But, it you know, that is what it is. But and with Florida State, I just – everything, you know, with the players, what they're going through. You know, Mike Norvell put out a statement on Sunday – after you know it was released that they would not be one of the four teams in the playoffs, and he had this to say: "I am disgusted and infuriated with the committee's decision today to have what was earned on the field taken away because a small group of people decided they knew better than the results of the games. What is the point of playing games? Do you tell players it is okay to quit if someone goes down? Do you not play a senior on senior day for fear of injury?" Where is the motivation to schedule challenging non-conference games? We are not only an undefeated Power 5 conference champion, but we also play two Power 5 non-conference games away from home and won both of them. I don't understand how we're supposed to think this is acceptable way to evaluate a team. I'm hurting for our players who have displayed a tremendous amount of resilience and response this season. What happened today goes against everything that is true and right in college football a team that overcame tremendous adversity and found a way to win doing whatever it took on the field was cheated today. It's a sad day for college football. I'm proud of the work we have put in and the players I have the privilege to coach. We have one more opportunity to define this 2023 team in the Orange Bowl, and I believe in how our team will respond. Of course, they will play Georgia in that Orange Bowl. And then Jordan Travis goes on social media and talks about how he wished he would have broke his leg earlier, so... Everybody else could have seen how good this team was without him. Um, the AD, again, he blasted the committee. I will say this, uh, ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips, he came out and blasted. Now, I, I'll say this to him. He has no room to talk. He, can, he has no voice in this right now. But here's why. There's a couple commissioners that could have had this where the playoff would have started this year, not next year. But him, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12, which not existent now, they didn't want to do it starting next year. Well, had you not dragged your feet, had you got the stuff done, four State being the playoff because of this. So, and like I said, I, I get it. Florida State most deserving. When it comes to that standpoint, from what they've done this season, the resume, they won all their games, they're 13-0, I have a Power 5 conference, they should be in a playoff. But I flip it around. I get what the committee is saying here. Because, look, as much as I say Florida State, I would have put Florida State in, and how Florida State is deserving of that spot, what they've done this season. You also got to look at this fact. If we're just looking at matchups, you're getting the four best teams. Florida State is not one of the four best teams in college football with Jordan Travis, not at quarterback. It's just simple as that. And with Alabama, they're better than Florida State right now so i get their point and michigan versus florida state probably wouldn't be much a game maybe the florida state defense keeps them in the game for a while i think they would look better with tate rotomaker than they did with brock glenn in that game a couple weeks might not really get him ready but still what we've seen more likely michigan i wouldn't say have a necessarily easy day that game but florida state will be playing um, very limited in that one. New York, Washington, Texas, which is a good matchup. So I understand it. I don't, but there's still part of me that doesn't like it that Florida State gets left out with their record. And then there's a lot of people out there that are looking at this. Oh, here comes the big bad SEC. They got a break again, and they're getting in. They had to get an SEC team in. I'm not really too big on some of the conspiracy theories. I will say this, and I'm not trying to start anything, but when you look at this playoff. It is two Big Ten teams and two SEC teams. Let's say, Phil, what you're talking about? There's the Pac-12 and the Big 12. Let's call it what it is. We know Washington's going into the Big Ten next year. We know Texas is going to the SEC. So, 
I don't, I don't think there was a, a grudge against Florida State. I just, I, I, I'm going to be positive, and I'm going to give the committee benefit of doubt that they would not do anything backhanded or just was against Florida State altogether. But it was the Jordan Travis thing. So we know what it was. We know what it is. We got to move on. This is the playoffs. This is the four teams we're going to have, and uh, it's going to be it, it's going to be a good playoff. These four teams, it will be competitive. It will be good. But this right here is making me wish we had a 12-team playoff this year. And I am really excited uh, that we're going to have it next year. 96.9 The Legend is your connection to classic country legend. But Digio Strategies has other options too. News Talk 103.9 is your source for America's top news and entertainment shows like Rick and Bubba in the morning, Glenn Beck from 9 till 11 a.m. and Clay Travis and Buck Sexton middays from 11 a.m. till 2 p.m. Sean Hannity, Lars Larson, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh and others fill your day with the latest news and views from America's top conservative voices. America at night and coast to coast am keep you company and connected throughout the night plus fox news the alabama radio network and wiregrass daily news keep you informed with national international state and local news and with more musical choices like all the hits 1067 kmx today's country 95.5 wtvy and music 1077 digio strategies gives you more choices and more variety listen on air online and on our apps 96.9 the legend is just the beginning all right my guest today here on the philip jordan show here on wiregrass daily news sports is coach max howell former florida state and old mississippi coach 25 plus years in sports talk radio and he is a member of the troy sports hall of fame uh, coach howell i have no idea what we are going to discuss tonight uh, nothing <laughs> seems to be going on but uh i appreciate you coming on well i appreciate it philip as always and of course to me it's the greatest time of the year uh, you know, with the either down the season, the bowl games now uh, are pretty well in place. We know who the champs, conference champions are, and uh, we know how they got there. So there's some that, you know, that didn't quite make it, and we'll talk a little bit about that, I'm sure. So I, I'm just going to lay the question out. I'm just going to – just basic. Um, did the committee get it right? I think they did. I, I really do. And I'm going to give you an example. Uh, the committee – the underlying factor is that the committee needs to pick the four teams that are playing the best now. I didn't say that they are the best teams in America on paper, because some people say Texas is the best team on paper in the country. Well, maybe so. They lost the game to Oklahoma, if you recall, and they ended up number three in the bowl selection or in the playoff selection. So I I think they did. I think Alabama could could play and will play with any of them. I've already got my feelers out now. I pretty well know, I think, in my mind, how the games are going to come out. So uh, I think they did. And, and I think a lot of people, and I understand the, the situation about going undefeated, winning a conference, that's, that was a key component there as well. But if you watch, if you watch FSU, remember I coached there. I, coached, I, I was in that first group of Coach Bowden's winning, when he went 14 years in the top five. The secondary I worked in back there has two NFL, all, uh, two NFL Hall of Famers, uh, Deion Sanders and Leroy Butler. That was our two corners. We had Dexter Dodge that went to the 49ers, and Stan Shiver went to the Dallas Cowboys, all in the first round. So you know, I know about Florida State and know, you know what it takes to win there. And goodness, when I saw them play Florida, they won the ball game without their starting quarterback. And that was good, but that was a sloppy, sloppy ball game. And then, of course, they go to Louisville last weekend, and they ended up with a freshman quarterback because the, the number two guy got hurt. And, uh, and they did okay, but the defense won the game. And they, you know, they scored 16 points. My opinion is that the committee looked at these games and said, hey, the fan base, not even the Florida State fan base, would want to see a matchup against Michigan or, or you know, or Washington or Texas or Alabama uh, because they, 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 they can't perform at that level with that football team. And I think that's what the committee based their feelings on, and I think that's what they got. Yeah, because, you know, it's obviously went with, you know, we heard all week or several weeks, you know, since Jordan Travis went down with the injury, you know, deserving right. versus best. And, you know, look, yep. I, I've, I'm one, I'm, I'm kind of like mixed on it. Like, I feel bad for the Florida State fan base, the coaches, the players, uh, yep. you know, because 
you know, I know you coached and play. You know, you you told if you win all your games, you should be able to win a championship. And how, how do you think if you were in that locker room, if you were talking to those players, if you were a coach on that staff, how would you handle that? With you know, how you would address your players about the situation? Well, first thing I would probably go to him and said, "Hey, that's my fault." Mainly, and here's something that few coaches want to address. But I'd say it was my fault. I didn't recruit enough top players to get us there. See, and, and that goes on everywhere. I mean, just think about it. They had the number, you know, number one, two quarterback in the country. Uh, first of all, get another kid to come in behind him, knowing he's going to get little or no playing time the first year. But however, they've got the portal now. If they, you know, that I, if that's my reasoning power. Hey, you come here if you don't make it. If you don't like here, get in the portal and go. Yeah, that's your that's your options now. But I'm telling you, very few coaches want to talk that way. I know enough of them still in the business that, you know, they don't want to they don't want to expose their program to that kind of turnover. But it's here. I mean, Joe, you got to accept that. So mm-hmm. I think that would be what I would address. I wouldn't address it by name, surely, but I would just say more quality players to not only to if we have an injury or two because every team has them every year, not to the quarterback maybe. But I'm gonna tell you, if Alabama loses Melrose. They'll be just like they'll be in the same boat that Florida State's in. Uh, I'm just telling you, they they don't have a quarterback can play at that level, number number two or number three. So that behooves him. They got a couple of redshirt kids that's supposed to be in that category, but they, they were trying to hold them out. But evidently, Florida State didn't have that, or they wouldn't didn't want to risk, you know, the the, the redshirt year on them. So uh, they they went with what they had, and it didn't it didn't go well enough. And I do think the, the committee looked ahead and said, hey, this team can't compete with, with the top four player uh, uh, teams in the country and, and make a, a good showing. Now, look, I, I don't want to see another Cincinnati. I don't want to see another TCU, uh, as we've had the last couple of years. I want to see the four best teams in the country play. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we've got now. Yeah, and – and with Florida State too, I mean, I, and I know a lot of Florida State fans won't want to hear this part where I'm about to say, but they're going to be fine in the future too because Mike Norvell's got like a top five recruiting class. I mean, sure. it, you know, and then next year is twelve. I mean, that, that doesn't help yep. anybody now. I mean, I know that, right. but still, like future wise, I mean, and, and they've got they've got their head coach there. I mean, Mike Norvell. I mean, just what's your thoughts on the job he's done these last two weeks with oh. the second string quarterback, then the third string quarterback? I mean, Louisville. I yeah. mean, I know they lost Kentucky the week before, but that was a pretty solid team that they played on Saturday night and shut down completely offensively. But just your, your thoughts on the job that Mike Norvell has done there. I think he's done an outstanding job. I really do. But here's, a, here's another point, of, of, a physical point. Did you see the combination in the street, the schedule column? Mm-hmm. Uh, Alabama Alabama was number five in the country. Florida State was number 55 in the street, the street, the schedule. So, see, there's another problem, but it's all measured on the ACC. And if that doesn't open up people that really pull for, you know, for teams in the ACC, that tells tells you something. Those teams, if you just cut across, you know, cut across the the center, uh, most of those teams in the ACC can't compete on a regular basis with the SEC and uh, and probably the Big Ten as well. Now, the only one that I got in that mix is that had played a very strong schedule is Michigan first. And I mean that, but I'm all, I've seen Michigan play. I think Alabama will beat them. In fact, coach, uh, uh, in their interviews last week, when, when Michigan coaches finally got back on the sideline, uh, he said, "We never beat Georgia. We never beat Alabama. So we got our work cut out for us." So that tells you right now that you know the competitiveness in between the leagues. But you know, if if, the, if you know going in you can't compete, why why it puts you up in a situation to get embarrassed? Uh, I agree with you 100%. They're going to be okay next year, and he's done a really good job there. They're playing in the ACC. And, and to their, you know, really, to their credit, they tried to get out of the ACC. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, was on the, I, was on the sta- I was on the staff there uh, when Hootie Ingram was the athletic director. And they, they, we, we were independent. We had a chance to go. Uh, SEC didn't want us at that particular time. So they chose the ACC because of location. But the fact is that the SEC's already got the Florida market. They got the University of Florida. So they don't need that. If the SEC, not if, but when the SEC expands again, and they're going to, they're going after North Carolina, Virginia. They want the TV markets. They got the Dallas, they got the Oklahoma market coming in next year. And a lot of people don't ever stop to think about that. 
that's what it's all about at expansion. It's not how well you play or who you are. It's, it's who, what television audience did you bring. Now, it, in addition to that, it also matters how good your program is. I mean, they, they really, they, they aren't going to take a program that, you know, that can't compete. But they, if you find a, North Carolina is pretty average, they've better than average some years. They won't North Carolina because that brings that, that whole area. Virginia, I don't know about Virginia Tech or Virginia. Virginia Tech used to be very competitive, but I don't know whether they'll get there or not. So I'd say all that to you back to where Florida State is. Florida State is what – they are what they are. Uh, as my buddy, though, says they is what they is. <laughs> and uh, if what they if what they is is they are a good football team for that league, but without the, a, a super you know superstar quarterback, they're going to end up just being average. Look at the point spread. Look at the points they scored against Florida and, and against Louisville. And that was their last two ball games. And Florida's not very good. They they only need five hundred this year. So, uh, and they played in Gainesville, by the way. So, uh, anyway, I say all that to say that that's those are the reasons why I think they got it right. Now, I know the criticism came from how did how did Alabama jump from eight to four? Well, because everybody in between Texas went at number three. So. Uh, you know, the other teams had either lost more or, or had not played well. And uh, Alabama jumped up because they had a big win. They had a, the win over the number one team in the country, and the team that had 29 straight wins uh, in Georgia. Yeah, you know, that was, of course, uh, Coach Nick Saban was bringing that up plenty of times after the game, too, letting everybody know <laughs> what they did. Uh, let's, talk, let's talk about that. Well, um, talk about the SEC Championship game, then we'll jump into get your initial thoughts on these two playoff matchups. But Alabama defeating Georgia, I thought Alabama dominated on the line of scrimmage. I mean, we haven't they seen did. anybody do that to Georgia probably since Alabama beat them last time two years ago in the SEC Championship game. But uh, watching that game, yep. what, what were some of the key reasons Alabama was able to snap Georgia's 29-game winning streak? Well, the first thing they did, if you know, when they kicked off the, that series that Georgia scored on the first time, that was all scripted. And they caught, you know, remember, Kirby Smart came off of Nick Saban's staff. So he pretty well knew the, the format, how they were going to do it. Uh, the thing he didn't count on, I think, was how quick Alabama made adjustments to a, to a scripted offense. So he, they knew Alabama knew exactly, you know, the strength of every every players was that they they went from a single man uh, coverage in the secondary to to twins in the back and played zone coverage on them so nobody could get behind them on either side. Uh, that was one thing, and that, and I'm gonna tell you, I guarantee you, they knew Brock Bowers were hurt. You know, you saw him blip off the field two or three times. He's he's probably the best tight end in the country, and they utilized him a lot. But he he was beat up, and at number eighty four, their other wide receiver. Uh, or the wide receiver would limped off. So their best two players would, would I don't say were, they, they weren't completely capacitated to play, but they limped. Uh, and they, you know, and, and they threw the ball to them and they made a, little, a few yards and caught the ball, but they, they were nowhere near, you know, perfection. And Alabama knew that. Uh, I watched the alignment on the defensive front for Alabama. They, they cheat over a little bit uh, occasionally one way or the other. They gap them uh, one time and they kept their offensive line at Georgia guessing. And, uh, and of course, they, what they did, they put Dallas Turner, the best defensive player, out there as a defensive end, usually on the wide side. And uh, he, he's, I'm not saying he's not blockable, but uh, Georgia had a tough time blocking him. Uh, I think he still got two sacks uh, against uh, Carson Beck. So, anyway, those are the those are what I, things I saw uh, that Alabama, I won't say was just better prepared, but uh, what they did they outperformed what Georgia was able to do. Yeah, and I thought going into the game, because the week prior, we saw Auburn run the ball on Alabama very successfully with sure. the quarterback and with running backs. Now, Georgia, Carson Beck's not really part of the quarterback run game. He's not a bad athlete. Just uh-huh. He's a pocket passer. He's a traditional. But I thought Georgia could right. maybe run the game. But, I mean, 78 yards, just you know, kind of ties back again in my, my question and my thought, you know, just how Alabama dominated. Because there was a couple times in the game, too, Georgia was like third and one, third and two. Those are first downs right. Georgia picks up against anybody else, but Alabama was yep. shutting it down. They did. Well, I, let me tell you why uh, Auburn was able to do that. They, they run this, what we call misdirection. They pull the guards one way and, and hand off the back going the other way. Well, guess what? Uh, Alabama, Georgia didn't see that. Georgia didn't pick up on that. Alabama did. Alabama ran the same plays. They picked them off the, off the, off the tape from Auburn. And, and on top of that, I'll give you another really good 
observation that I know is true. Joe, uh, Auburn sacrificed the New Mexico State game to play Alabama as good as they did. They took two weeks getting ready for Alabama, and they, they didn't acknowledge even that New Mexico State was there. That's I know that came from the inside, that they the scout teams all week worked on uh, worked on Alabama's offense, not New Mexico State. So they had two weeks to prepare for that. And they played well, you know. I I don't think anybody, you know, out there doesn't think that team's well not well coached. They got to fix some players. But Hugh Freeze has been a, a winner everywhere he's ever been. Brought brought a little baggage with him occasionally, but he got right. I think he's, you know, overcome that now. And, and I guarantee he brought in 40. I think 42 or 43 off the portal this year. He'll bring that many again next year, including there'll probably be one or two really outstanding quarterbacks. There's over 100 quarterbacks tonight in the portal, if that'll tell you anything. Yeah, and by the time this podcast comes out, there may be 200 out there. <laughs> by the time that, <laughs> that comes right. out on Tuesday You're morning. Right. Oh, speaking of quarterbacks, right. you know, with Alabama, Jalen Miro, I mean, it's really been amazing to me watching him this year. You know, from what he was the first couple of games, the benching against South right. Florida. Right. He's really grown as a player, as a passer this year too, as well. Uh, yeah. what, what stands out stands out to you about uh, his game? Well, let me just tell you. Remember, they had a new offensive coordinator. This was his first start. Uh, he's a young, relatively young. He he came there as a seventeen year old high school kid. And by the way, he's he's in his he's in the middle of his third year, and he's already he's get fixed to graduate now. He'll stay and get a master's degree and still have a year of eligibility left. So he, he, he was a young kid. He's 6'2", he's 235, runs a 4'4". He's got all the academic credentials that go with that. He's, he just had to get in the system and learn the system at the college level. Is what he, you should ought to read his high school stats. I mean, he scored like 80-something touchdowns in high school. He's out of Katy, Texas. and uh, He was a superstar out there. And, uh, I think he was number one or number two pick in the country when they signed him out of high school. So he, they put him in a system. And I think that's why they, they, they uh, Coach Saban hired the Reese uh, coach from Notre Dame, that he's a, he's a technician is what he is. And, and I think he's matured. Uh, I'll I really be honest with you. I wasn't, I wasn't in favor of that hire. I thought he should have gone after somebody, probably go to the NFL and get another quarter, get a, you know, get a quarterback coach. But he didn't. He, he saw something in him, and certainly he was right. And I'm, I sure wasn't right. But uh, that's why they paid him a million dollars a month. You know to make right decisions, and uh, but he sure made, he sure made that call, and uh, and the guys you know that and, and, and Melro has responded to it, but see they still got a vacancy in my mind at number two and number three, uh, they, I just hope they don't have to play them. Uh, I hope I hope Alabama will run the ball and, and be you know pretty physical against Michigan. I don't care if they don't win, but by one point or two or whatever. I, I think the line's out already. At, Two and a half or three or something like that. It's a pick em game, but uh, I think Alabama will run and try to keep the score low. And, uh, and of course, if, if if they most of those runs, by the way, if you listen to Coach Saban's uh, post game conference, uh, he somebody asked him about Belro running the ball. He didn't run quite as much uh, the other night against Georgia as he had. Well, he said most of those are designed runs. In other words, he may roll out and, and pass it is his second option when he gets to the line of scrimmage he'll see if anybody's open if you notice in, in the, the game before uh, against Auburn he crossed the line a couple of times mm-hmm. and that's highly unusual for him uh I mean he's got to you know he knows where the line of scrimmage is but he's 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 learning let's put it that way uh I, I don't think Michigan's offense is going to give Alabama much on the defensive side but uh I do think their defense you know they're going to line up and try to hit you know try to hit Alabama in the mouth and, and slow them down whether they can do that or not, I look for him to. I look for him to light it up, throwing the ball. I'll tell you the truth, and I think they'll get him out of the pocket. Some he still look. He still gave up the offensive front. Still gave up four sacks the other night, and mm-hmm. they've given up thirty. I think thirty six or thirty seven sacks this year, and they still would. They you know they would live ball games. So, uh, you know, it is what it is, and, and Alabama's ready. And I think they they got twenty eight days to get ready. And uh, Coach Saban said they'll give the players off this week from. From, from regular practice, they'll lift weights and run. Then he'll get them in the in the playing mode in the, in the, the, the next two weeks. They get, let's say they got 28 days to get ready. 
Yeah, you know, with Michigan too. I think Michigan for Alabama, Alabama was the worst matchup they could have got because they're very similar <laughs> in what they want to do. That's true. And I've always very looked true. at it with Alabama and Georgia. If you if you do what they do, it's hard to beat. That's why I didn't think if Michigan and Georgia matched up, I didn't think Michigan would match it well, just because Georgia practices against that style every day, just like Alabama, that physical style of right. their defense. Um, right. Uh, you pretty much tipped your, you know, tipped your head on that one. Did you think Alabama was going to pull that one? Out? How about the other one? Texas I think so. Texas and Washington. Well, I feel like I'm leaning toward an Alabama Texas national championship. I am too. Thank you. Very okay, much. so how, how you feel about that Texas Washington game? Well, see, Washington's another one. Remember who they play against? Who did the Pac-12? You know, they, you know, they throw the ball a bunch out there. They, they don't have a big, very physical defense per se. Uh, they beat, their pass defense is pretty good because they shut Bo Nix down. Although not completely, but they beat him twice in the regular season. So, uh, but see, Texas has got the running game. Uh, I'll be interested to see if they line up against Texas. Texas offensive front is supposed to be as good as is anybody in the country, and so you know I think they got three three seniors out of that four starters. So I, I think they and I think they beat Washington. I think and I think they beat them physically. So I think they line up run straight at them. And uh, I don't think Washington will be a customer to that. Then in Alabama win, so that's why. That that is the same reason I'm using why it's going to, it's going to pitch Alabama and Texas back for the national championship, and uh, and I'm going to take Alabama in that one because Alabama's got something to prove. Uh, Coach Sarkeesian, I thought at one time might be the heir apparent to the Alabama job when when Coach Saban gets ready to retire. I don't think that now. I think them coming to the SEC. I think what he's going to do when Al- when Coach Saban retires, Philip. I think Sarkeesian brings Texas to the front. And I think because they got they got more money than anybody else in the conference, and probably more than both all of them put together. I mean, they could they could buy coaches. They could you know now that with a with the money floating around for the prospects, uh, they just they could put a program together, and they'll they will thrive in the SEC. The, the biggest problem the SEC fans are gonna have with Texas is they Texas people gonna tell them how good they are. Uh, and, 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 yes. it'll be, and it'll be up to them to prove it on the field is what it'll be up to. And Texas A and M fans everywhere are upset and crying over Texas coming to the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, look all these people that they want to come that a lot let's say it's a lot of people want to come to the SEC. And, but they, they give lip service till they get here. And, and, you know, when you start looking at that schedule, if you looked at the schedule next year for Alabama, good gosh. I mean, it, you know, in a, anybody else, if it wasn't Alabama, I'd say they'd be lucky to break even. Uh, of course, Alabama, I'm going to say, you know, Alabama may have a, a loss or two uh, next year. The, the salvation will be, the, you know, they, they return a bunch of kids, both on offense and defense. That'll be their salvation. But they're gonna have to. They're gonna really have to go work. There ain't gonna be no more Chattanoogas on the schedule, you know, or Elon College or whoever. It's not gonna be that. They gonna they gonna have competition almost every Saturday when they line up with this, and they go into nine. You know, they go into nine conference games as well. Yeah, I did. I, I when I saw the schedule, I believe they play Oklahoma before they play Auburn. So that's not easy either. <laughs> no, it's not. And they play Texas. And, and uh, I mean, they go to Wisconsin. I mean, they play a massive schedule next year. And that doesn't include Georgia and Tennessee and, you know, all the regulars they go play. Georgia's on their schedule, too, next year in the regular schedule. So, because, uh, you know, there's no East and West anymore. Yeah. You know, it's all, it's all one, through, one through 16 now. Oh, yeah, and you kick off November by playing LSU, too. So, there, there you got that one in there. <laughs> That's right. Oh, listen, ain't no breathing. I mean, you know, that's, those kids that play – you know, they better get a lot of rest during the week. So they're going to have to play hard on Saturday to keep winning like they would in the past. Yeah, uh, Vanderbilt is not on the schedule next year, so there's not that week of, uh, <laughs> to get through. That's right. Uh, before I let you go, also, your alma mater, Detroit Trojans, won their uh, second yep. straight uh, Sunbelt Championship, beating uh, Appalachian State 49-23. Kind of a close game early, but they pulled away there in the second half. Seems kind of yep. like a theme with this Troy team this year. First half is kind of close. Defense steps up in the offense in the second half, and they usually pull away. Just John Sumrall, I mean, I don't know if you saw the, uh, the little blow-up he had over there on the sideline. Oh, my goodness. Full of I energy, did. but I just did, your, your thoughts. Okay, I, I saw that. I, I, I replayed – of course, I was watching the Alabama game mm-hmm. on Saturday night, but they 
And on our TV up here, they replayed the whole game last night on ESPNU. So I, I sit and watch the whole game. And I, I thought that was an assistant coach at first. And because uh, he even turned on the on the co- on the uh, on the GA that was trying to hold him off the field. Sure did. The, 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 yeah, that's what he. That's what that guy's supposed to do is to keep the coach on the sideline. He's a get. He's a get back coach. Is what he is. So, uh, but he turned on him, and I, you know, I, I was surprised. I knew he was highly emotional, and, and you know, but I'd never seen him, you know, be that. And they said it was a, a face mask call that they didn't call. Uh, but. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that – they replayed the play, and it showed it more the kid caught him by the face mask first, but it wasn't that flagrant. It wasn't one that would damage the kid. Uh, he went down pretty quick. But anyway, bottom line is, uh, John Sumroff's done an outstanding job. In fact, I'm going to tell you what I was hearing inside. Had had Mark Stoops taken the Texas A&M job, Sumroff would be the head coach at Kentucky. Because I think that's – they're going to get him, bring him back. He played there. Uh, he was assistant head coach, coaching the defense when Troy hired him. Uh, now, Troy's done everything they can. They've got his salary up over a million dollars now. Uh, and he's, he's what, 20? He's 22 and 2 or something like that. Or, no, 22 and 4 because he lost two last year and two this year. So, he's you know, he's done a, a fantastic job. That defense is swarming, buddy. I'm going to tell you. that I didn't see one single tackle. Every tackle I saw in that ballgame has two or three guys on top of him. That that he did the secondary as well, so uh, it it was it was fourteen to seven at halftime, and that, but see the defense set them up and the defense scored a couple of ball games. One toward the end of the fourth quarter, the quarterback was on about the twenty. He goes back to pass, and the defense then rushes by and takes the ball out of his hand and scores. And he's able to back down about the twenty yard on their own twenty. So it was a, a, a really I thought well coached ball game, and uh, and I'm trying to work some some things right now to be in the press box at, at, uh, at Birmingham, at the Birmingham Bowl, because I don't think they're going to find anybody. I played there, I coached there, and I've been a Hall of Fame there. So, and I coached the first national championship team uh, that Troy had. So, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull all my strings to get a, a press box pass to watch that ball game. They're going to play Duke, you know, and I, I, they got a chance. Uh, they'll have to play a really good ball game, because that's another level. But, uh, they played at another level most of the ball games this year, so uh, I'm uh, I'm proud for them and uh, proud to say I'm alumni from there. Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, that's going to be fun because you know the Troy fans are going to going to travel for that one. Being in Birmingham, it's going to be uh, it's going to be the Vet North. That, so I feel bad oh, for yeah. Duke because it's going to be, it's going to probably feel like they're in Troy with uh, the fans the way they're going to travel. But uh, yeah. Coach, I appreciate you doing this again, coming on the show. Uh, anything else for uh, we close up our conversation? Well, you know, a couple of things. One is that I'm, I'm paying a lot of attention to recruiting this year. I, the, the feeling that I get in talking to a lot of coaches, of course, the early signing period is coming up this week, coming the week. Uh, so, you know, but the high school kids, I hate to say this, have taken a, you know, a back seat to the portal. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're coaching, you understand why. If you got a chance to, to get pick up a kid that's rather just 18 coming to high school that's never played in college, or a sophomore that's a 20-year-old that's, a that's been in a good program, in a good weight program, uh, that's already accustomed to, you know, learning the rigors of, of college football, which one are you going to take? I mean, you know, and the number I'm hearing out of 25, they're going to try to take 10 high school kids and 15 portals. On, on the schools that are really recruiting the portals. Now we got some like Dabo at Clemson, and there's there's a couple other out there around the country that's still hanging in there with you know with eighteen or twenty high school kids. Well, look, Dabo went eight and four this year, you know, uh, so and, and he still says he's going to keep it that way. Well, you know, I know he's done come a long way. They got him up at a high salary, but eventually, if he keeps you know booking that the system, then. Uh, It'll be time for him for early retirement from Clemson. I can promise you that because he set the bar already, you know, pretty high. Uh, so, you know, we'll get a chance to see. But that's that's what I'm doing coming up now. Is I've jumped off because you know the, the games themselves won't start back up till you know the bowl games will start back up in a couple of weeks of the ones I want to watch. So I'll, I'll pay a lot of attention to recruiting now, particularly the SEC. Oh yeah, it never ends. It's a constant. It's a constant thing. That's why Dan Mullen's yep. on ESPN right now and not uh, on the sidelines <laughs> anymore. Uh, but anyways, Coach, I appreciate the time and I look forward to doing this again sometime down the road. 
Anytime. I, I, I love being on with you. Thank you so much, Philip. All right. Thanks again to Coach Howell, as always, for coming on the show. Now, new segment, trying out here. And if you notice, this, we're kind of pulling back the amount of episodes we're doing a week, maybe two to three a week here. So a little bit longer shows, but not as many during a week. So if that makes any sense. It's time for best weekend, worst weekend. And we're going to start things off. I went to Facebook, and I put it on X, but not a lot of traction on X. So we'll be doing this every week. So, And if you want to send in your best weekend, worst weekend, you can email me at sportsoffieldjordan at gmail.com. If I get any after this show is recorded, I will bring them up at the end of Thursday's show as well. But best weekend, worst weekend. Some are straight to the point. So longer than at the end of this, I'll give mine. Charles McNelly, Alabama, best weekend, FSU, worst weekend. I think that is one that everybody would probably agree on to a certain extent. Uh, Michael Dubofsky, uh University of Washington had a pretty good weekend that they did. They were doubted once again. They were what, a 10-point underdog against Oregon and won on Friday night. Uh, Wayne Ward, the dogs and knolls are still whining and crying, so I suppose they had a bad weekend. Bama had the best weekend. Uh, Richard Holdridge goes NFL with this. The 49ers getting the 42-19 win over the Eagles. That was an interesting and kind of a weird game there because early on, I watched that Sunday, the Eagles were getting a lot of pressure on Brock Purdy very early in that game. I thought, okay. But, and the Eagles were moving the ball, but they were kicking field goals. So it was like 6 nothing after the first quarter, and then the 49er offense really got going. With Debo Samuel, you know, Chris McCaffrey, and way Brock Purdy's playing in that defense, you know, since they've got Chase Young, another pass rusher, this is a dangerous team. And if the 49ers are going to play like that, nobody in the NFC is going to beat them. And they're all, they were and they still are my NFC pick for the Super Bowl this year. And just like the way they played, I mean, that, that was tremendous performance. Uh, David Morris, the Tide, best, FSU worst. I see both sides of this. I would have been fine if she went in, but you know, I love Bama football. Next year, going to be a mess. Be interesting next year, as we talked about with Coach, and I talked about in the open, the 12 team playoff. Uh, Michael James Churchill, more of a weird and trying to make sense of what he says here. I'll try my best to read it, but some of it just kind of. Uh, we'll, we'll let you be the judge. I'll say the words, you be the judge of what you think of what he said. Taylor Swift had the best, even though her boyfriend, Travis, lost. She gets ticket holders, spend money uh, to go to a game. She's good for the NFL. Yeah, so that, that was interesting, too, because the Packers were 3-6. and six. And Look, I, I know people say, Phil, why are you talking about the NFL? Look, the listeners, the people on Facebook are bringing this stuff up. That's why I'm talking about it. But that was a really, really, really good performance there by the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Jordan Love playing tremendous. And like I said, they were three and six. They are now six and six, and they would be the seventh seed right now in the over there in the NFC. And let's just look at Jordan Jordan Love in these last couple of games. Now last night, or well Sunday night, we all recorded this on Monday night. He was 25 of 36 for 267, three touchdowns. He's kind of got a combination of Rodgers and Favre in him, watching him play. Just He can be a little risky with the ball, but he's got some of the Rodgers stuff to as well from playing under him. Last week on Thanksgiving in the 29-22 win over the Lions, he was 22 of 32, 268, three touchdowns in that one. And against the Chargers, the week before that, when they win 23 to 20, he was 27-40, 3-22, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Now, the week before, when he did lose to Pittsburgh 23-19, he had the two interceptions. One was right there at the end. They was trying to win the game. So, he's playing well. The Packers are playing well. And when you look at their schedule, too, it really shapes up pretty good for them rest of the way. They played, they're at the 4-8 Giants this Monday night. Then they host the 5-7 and seven Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then they go to Carolina. They go to Minnesota, which they're 6-6 six and six too. So that'll be a big game, potentially for playoffs, playoff position. We'll see where they're at. And then they close the season at home against the Bears. So definitely look at the Giants, the Buccaneers, the Panthers, and the Bears. Those are all games you would say, okay, the Packers should be able to win. 
You win those, that gets you to 10 wins. And then you win the Minnesota game. If you're able to go to Minnesota and beat them, that now puts you at 11 wins on the season. And just looking at the playoffs here, Ed, yeah, because you have Philadelphia right now top, the 49ers right behind them, one game behind them. But the Eagles and the Cowboys play on Sunday Night Football this upcoming week. Detroit, they're sitting there at 9-3. and three. Then you have the Falcons 6-6 six and six leading that horrible NFC South. Like I said, the Vikings at 6, the Packers at 7-6-6. and, six and six. Um, They're ahead of the Rams. The Seahawks, they also have 6-6 six and six records. So there's a lot of teams there trying to get in, but should be interesting for there. So my best weekend, and I'm going to actually do two. I'm going to do one for Saturday and Sunday. My best is Alabama winning the SEC championship game, getting to the playoff. They had the best weekend on Saturday. The worst, a lot of people are saying FSU, and I get why. I'm going to say Georgia. Georgia had the worst weekend. They went in and said, okay, we win the SEC championship. We're going to be the number one seed in the playoff. Our chances are pretty good to three-peat. We're trying to do something that hasn't been done in a long, long time, and then they they don't do it, and now they're playing in the Orange Bowl against Florida State. So I have Georgia having the worst weekend. NFL, best weekend, the Packers, from what I just told you. I would have, could have gone 49ers. We're going to go Packers with that one. And then worst weekend, the Chiefs, for the same things we just said. Oh, and that was the first time that the Chiefs have lost a football game when Taylor Swift is in attendance. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed the show. Kind of dialing it back, a little bit different. But I hope you enjoyed it a little bit longer. I know. hope you enjoyed uh, Coach Max Howell on the show. Schedule will be joined on Thursday by Bill Bender from the Sporting News. We'll get more into the playoffs, his thoughts on the rankings. Did they get it right? So we'll ask that question once again. Get into these matchups with Bill Bender as well, what he thinks early on. We'll talk Army-Navy, and we'll also talk Heisman Trophy. The candidates came out on Monday evening. It's going to be Bo Nix, uh, Michael Pettis, Penix, sorry. You will have... Jaden Daniels, and then you'll have Marvin Harrison Jr. So we'll see who wins that. I've got Jaden Daniels. That's my guy. I think he should win the Heisman, but we'll see how it goes. Anyways, remember you can follow me on social media at PJordanSEC. The podcast is available on all your favorite podcast platforms or wiregrassdailynews.com. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review. I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you leave just four stars, you are just a straight-up hater. Uh, you can email me at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com and check out all my written work over at Last Word on college football. Hope everybody has a great Tuesday. Talk to you on Thursday. Bye-bye.